0: Hey there, we're Chris and Melissa Smith of FamilyBrand.com, husband and wife, parents of five, and we want to help you unleash the power of your family.
1: And we know it can be so challenging raising a family where the return on investment is unmeasured and sometimes it feels like your efforts are completely unnoticed. It takes real courage and commitment and a long-term vision for what you are building. You're building a family.
0: And as entrepreneurs, we always think it's so interesting how your brand at home is the one that you think about the least, but at the end of your life, it will be the brand that matters the most. And look, none of us want to wake up one day feeling like, man, we missed it. Like we missed this opportunity to create something really amazing as a family.
1: So what you can expect from us are actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life to become a better parent, a better spouse, and to build a stronger family. The world needs strong families now more than ever, and it starts right here with your family. Welcome to this week of the Family Brand Podcast. This week, I have a super awesome guest, Skye Figuerell. And he's here. We met initially. Well, first of all, welcome. Thank you for Thank coming you. on to the podcast. Absolutely. So we met initially. Well, I don't even know if we met, actually. We used to go to the same gym in Gilbert and had seen each other. And then after I, after we moved to Hawaii in like late 2020, this guy wrote a book. So he reached out to me wanting to send me a copy. And this guy's just awesome. He's been an awesome person to, to talk with, um, business, and he's all about family. So we're here to have a conversation, to go deeper about what he does with his family and a little bit of his expertise to share that with you today.
2: Awesome. Yeah. And I, just to piggyback on that idea of when we first kind of met, you know, it was really I, my wife and I worked out together, Chris and Melissa were working out together and it was just kind of like you see those gym friends, you know, that you don't really know, but like kind of wave to or nod to, or you, you see them doing that. And I always thought it was really cool, and my wife and I you know we were there as well and uh and then another friend of mine actually Curtis Cook, you know mentioned that he knew you guys uh, yeah when she moved to um to Maui was it Maui is that the island you were on Oahu, technically. Oahu and anyway, so I just I saw that he was doing some work and kind of made that connection and then I just love what the family brand is about and uh there's a lot of crossover with what I believe in and try to share with people and so yeah, I totally reached out and uh was fanboy in the show and hey, what's going on and, and <laughs> excited to t- excited to be a a guest today for sure.
1: Okay, let's dive in. Tell us about about your family and what you about your family and what you do professionally. Yeah. Let's hear it.
2: So, I I live in Arizona and uh I've been married over it'll be 22 years this December and um we have four kids. Awesome. Jackie and I met at school and uh, she's an Arizona girl. We met up in in Utah is where we're going to school. And um, at the time I was studying, um, my my major is actually in art. I'm a visual arts major and my minor is in coaching and teaching physical education. And I was also taking some religious education courses at the time. And at graduation, I got hired to be a religious educator and uh, got assigned down into Arizona. And so we brought our family down here and uh, I've been in that world for a, a lot of the time but while I was actually there at school studying this uh, you know getting my minor in in teaching and coaching physical education and uh, studying these religious edu- education courses, I had an idea that has really just kind of started as a small seed and just kind of grown and to what I'm doing now uh, more and more uh, as a full-time um, consultant but I, I had this idea. That the principles I was learning in the physical education department, you know, about measuring, you know, calories in and calorie out, calories out and Mm -hmm. adding weight to bars and overcoming plateaus and all these kind of cool physical fitness principles would also apply if someone wanted to grow spiritually or help their family grow spiritually. And uh, in that spiritual realm, the things aren't usually as measurable or quantifiable or as people just struggle with trying to you know, really put a number to it or, or figure out, have I grown or where am I, where's my family at with, with our spiritual strength. Mm -hmm. And so I just, over the years, literally kept a folder of research as when I would physical fitness research or spiritual research or cool thoughts from, from people that were religious or were physically, you know, fitness experts and had a folder. And I finally there was a fear hur- hurdle I had, Melissa, of, of putting it into a book because who who writes a book? You know, who do you think you are? To you know, it's a pretty presumptuous idea. I'm going to become an author. I'm going to write a book. Who's going to read my book? But finally, I just said, I got to get this out. I everyone I shared it with with little presentations or uh, workshops I was doing. There, like, I've never thought of it that way. To me, it was just kind of like, how can you not think of it that way? And, and so I finally put it to a book and, uh, the book's called more fit for the kingdom. It focuses on four factors of fitness and it became a bestseller. Like I humbly say that it it just kind of blew me away. I I really wanted to do it as a family legacy piece, just like, Hey, this is what grandpa used to think about, you know, and, but it it hit with a Mm -hmm. lot of people and has opened up some doors where, where now I, I get to, you know, work with lots of individuals and organizations to try to help them optimize their organizational and and fitness levels of their, of their employees and help them become the best, their natural best in, in those four factors of fitness.
1: That's so fascinating. Chris and I, we talk often how, I think when we started getting more intentional about our physical health, that it, it spills over into, into so many different, different areas. And, like you said, those other areas though are not as measurable as, you know, I'm putting, like you said, I'm increasing my, my PR is increasing or whatever.
2: Yeah.
1: I love what, I love how you've taken it.
2: There's so many, kind of combine things,
1: the two ideas.
2: Yeah. There's so many things in the physical world that we've come to accept and embrace, like whether it's, uh, you know, I'm going to, we're very intentional about gym time or laying out workout clothes so we can get there. We're, we're super you know, we record reps and sets and we report to people, we, we enter races, we try to compete, you know, all those kind of things are really good. And also we fail a lot, you know, like we, oh, I didn't get my PR, but I'm gonna try again next time. Or, uh, you know, I got on the scale and it wasn't where I was at, but I'm going to keep working. You know, we, ha- we have all this kind of mindset that's really geared very healthily into physical fitness, but the same kind of intentionality mm-hmm. and tracking and measuring and other areas of our life we, we don't do. And shoot, if we fail or miss an exercise with our family, we kind of, we get down on ourselves. We think I'll never, you know, how am I gonna make up for this? And, and so well laid plans or intentions kind of get pushed to the side in the other areas of our life that are less measurable, where we're not as accustomed to failure, to, to, try, and to, to try and again. And uh, so unfortunately, some of the other areas like the, especially in family life or in our, in our social interactions with people, uh, we we maybe are less optimal than we could be because we don't apply the same type of principles.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting. And we're we'll I'll link your book in the in the show notes. Um, but I'd love to talk deeper about how I Sky was on a pod. I should link the other podcast you were on too that I listened to, where you went to in depth. Um, it's called My Audience Is Me. And I'll link that too, but you went in depth on exactly how you have applied this to your family, these ideas. I'd love to get into that. How have you been applying the same intentionality to your family? You had awesome ideas.
2: It's interesting because I was, it it was an idea that, that came upon me, I guess almost it was like an aha moment where I was, I was doing a lot of organization in this uh, position I had in my community where I was helping plan and organize and set dates and, and appointments and plan events I would come home and kind of like okay that was exhausting and you know and and then get back at it it was a weekly kind of assignment I had and then I realized you know hey everything I'm doing here would be really good if I did it at home as well like why aren't I planning these Mm kinds of events you know instead of for this group or congregation why don't I do it for my family like this is a great template for family success or I'm very intentionally setting up these interviews with other people why don't I set up do that with my own family. Mm-hmm. So I, I, the idea of if it's a true principle, it applies in a whole variety of circumstances really has, it's a deep part of what I do. And so when I'm consulting or working with individuals and organizations, I often find an area that they're already doing great in and say, okay, what, what are the principles mm-hmm. that make you so effective there? Let's let's take them to the areas where you feel you're not as effective and see if they also work and there's just usually a subtle twist or a little different application and that same thing that's bringing them joy and happiness and fulfillment whether it's at the office or the gym or socially or spiritually if i we take it to the area they're not and they find wow okay now i can i'm already an expert in one area i'm just going to take that expertise and apply it to another area and they they flourish they grow so you know there's an interesting stat melissa in the workforce 70% 70% of the people in the workforce are disengaged. Like in some way or another they're not mm. happy, they're not productive. They are wanting a new job, they're wanting to they're wanting to quit and often they do within like 6 months. It's huge turnover, it costs companies billions of dollars to in the in the US workforce to just try to replace people all the time. And especially coming out of the pandemic there's been a huge resignation of people just going from one job to another. It's it's really hard on employers. Yeah. The other interesting thing is that stat has been the same for 20 years, 70% disengagement. It's not that people don't really, yeah, it's, it's what to do about it. And if Mm -hmm. you think about that, taking it out of the business world for a minute into families, I bet a lot of the people listening to this feel like, man, I wish my family's engagement was higher or their productivity was higher or that I was retaining. There's so many parents that feel like I'm losing kids, you know, they're going a different direction or. They're not wanting to be at home. And that that can really be hard on our hearts. We talk about the big cost to organizations. Well, the number one organization in our life is our family. And we all want to increase engagement, productivity, and retention of those people we care most about. So I look for principles that could apply that these companies have spent millions of dollars to try to overcome disengagement and say, hey, mm-hmm. will that same thing work in the family. Not to try to make the family a business. Like that's not the idea. I don't want some like cold hard boss and you know that kind of thing, but just to say, hey, they've they've tapped into something, they've spent all the money on the research. What are the things that are working there that yeah. I could take into the family? So that's kind of a prelude to totally. like, those things. Yeah. So you want me to give you one?
1: Yeah, I love how Yes. Well, and I totally believe what you're saying. Um, there's an article that I had read the first kind of had me think about this and it just said that building strong teams, like that the research is there, like governments spend a lot of money wanting to build, you know, researching how do we build strong teams? Like you're saying corporations spend the money. Like how do we build strong teams? I think it's really cool that you've really done the work to take the, that information and apply it to your family.
2: Yeah. Hey, someone else has already done the research for me. And so I just believe it. And And so the things I'm going to share with your guests today, and I know you guys do such a good job with your work on this, like I'm going to give you maybe some principles and kind of an outline of how they work in maybe the business world, just a very general one. And even maybe how it's, I've tried and struggled to imply them in my own family as Jackie and I have, you know, we, we have four kids, one's in college, you know, so I have a 19 year old, a 17 year old, a 14 year old and 11 year old. So we have a wide variety of kids too. And, uh, yeah. Maybe some of these work great and maybe you're already doing them or maybe they'd be a good thing to try. So, you know, one of the first things I I would suggest that would be good for for all families to do that, that organizations do is to have like a clear purpose, a family mission statement, you want to maybe call it. And that would be something that would, you know, Mm -hmm. define the company's purpose in being. It's, It's what the company is trying to accomplish and how they plan to do it. And it, it would be something that a company would want everybody in the organization to know. Like Nike has a motto, just do it. But their their purpose or mission statement is do everything possible to expand human potential. Google, to organize the, the world's information and make it useful and accessible to everyone. In my consulting company, More Fit for Life, uh, my purpose is to create a culture of optimization in the lives of all individuals and families. So it's a it's a statement that really helps bring everyone. It's kind of a big picture. Um, it's, it's like a vision. And I talk about that too, but this is just more like, here is our, our purpose. Like our family, we have, it's more of a motto, but ours is to stick together. And that really helps us when like a, we have a son that's pitching or a daughter that's at the plate or someone's in a tennis match and, and maybe mentally it's tough. We say, hey, stick together or we're at the dinner table and things are going sideways and we'll just say, hey, stick together. It's a sermon in a sentence. And it Mm -hmm. it helps us to kind of recenter on what we're about as a Fagrell family. We want to stick together. So if I was in a boardroom and they hadn't yet had a purpose statement and we were trying to work on it, it would be something I would suggest they do very collaboratively. And I'd say, hey, everyone, think about what this company is about. And uh, write down maybe on a sticky note or something, a, a purpose statement of what, where we're going, What what is it that we do, you know, as a company. And usually some things like, you know, keeping it simple, you don't want a long wordy thing, compelling, you know, like that's a common thing. You want it to be something that people would hear and say, and it would, hey, I can relate to that. Relevance, is it continually going to be a relevant thing? And so choosing words that uh, make it that way. And, and sometimes statements of purpose are measurable i don't think that's a required one but you'll you'll see some mission statements that have like a a measurable target part into them but those first three are the really crucial ones you know is it simple is it compelling is it going to be relevant and ours we have you know my wife really kind of headed that up when our kids were little and it it's really helped us over the years to to remember who we are and what we do so that's one of the the first ones there and and I don't know, maybe you guys have had some experience with kind of that idea in your own family too, or with the people you work with and workshops. And
1: yeah, I think that is really important, like you're saying, to have a clear vision that kind of unites you and brings you back together. Ours is um we are committed to well, we have a few different a couple of different ones. We have like a more of like a motto and then like a vision statement. So we believe you can be who you want to be and we are committed to elevate and inspire, I would say our ours, but I, how would you, so for ours, we're like, we really wanted like you mentioned it to be collaborative. It was like a coming together of the family. Like what's important to us. What do we want to be known for out in the world? Like how, what's gonna, you know, even in our home, what do we, what are our guiding principles? These are some of the questions we were asking ourselves in a very collaborative setting. Is that how you would recommend to families? They do it as well?
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. And sometimes you'll go in and like, just to contrast it with like an organization, like a lot of organizations will have a purpose statement, maybe some core values on the wall, a, a vision, but if nobody knows what it is, mm-hmm. might as well not have it. And sometimes it's an iteration that happened like in organization 1.0, and it needs to change to organization 2.0, like things have And so you'll, you'll hear something rebranded. Mm-hmm. And, and so like in a family, wherever you're at, like, it's probably time for the Fagrell family to sit down and collaboratively consider, Hey, what is, is stick together still the motto? Is that really still going to be our purpose? And what about, we have, we call it five family rules, but it's really our core values. You know, it's, it's what it, and, and, but should these be updated? You know, we set them all when my oldest was maybe eight and my youngest may not even been born, you know, it's like, so maybe they were they were born, but not in a collaborative mindset. Yeah, you know, just little. So, right, I, right. <laughs> you know, having that kind of meeting regularly, probably more so with families and organizations where you sit down and say, hey, are these the right, is this the right purpose for us still and to help them get on board and have a contributed voice in that? And then what about our values? And a good place to start with that values one would just be to say, hey, if someone were to ask you what we believe in as a family, what would you say? And to, you know, don't even think, Take away whatever we've done before, but what, what do you think are the things mom and dad, brother and sister around here really emphasize and is indicative of our, our, our attitudes and behaviors most frequently and have them write it down? That would might be an eye-opening experience to see what the family actually says. And I would say that same thing to a company that's been around for a while. Well, we have these visions and values. Okay, what would your employees say they are? You know, wh- what would they say? Well, Well, let's find out. Let's take a poll right now. And it's really eye opening to those organizations to see sometimes there's maybe alignment with that, with maybe a partial, partial, or maybe there's total unalignment and no one really knows. So they're making progress, but mm-hmm. just not what they could make. And again, that's with all this stuff with a family, Melissa, I, it's never like, these are the cure to family ills, but it's just like, how can we help strengthen that family more to bring them to a level of family optimization?
1: Yes. I love that. That's really cool. And I know sometimes it can feel like it's in families. Well, this is what I think (laughs) in organizations, you're like, okay, we need to increase our, like, we have to increase our productivity. We need to increase our bottom line. So it's like, you're very motivated to make these changes and, and optimize in this way. But I think it's so easy in families to be like, ah, we'll get to that eventually. Like it would be a nice to do thing. But I think you're right that taking it as like, oh, no, this isn't just a nice to do thing. Like this is, this is essential to, to having a family that runs as smoothly and is as strong as possible.
2: Yeah. And it's just a start, you know, to, to, it, it's a good place to start for a family that uh, maybe is wanting to have this type of increased productivity and engagement in their family and, and increased buy-in, like having that kind of meeting, Hey, this is what companies do to help, meet their, their optimal levels. It's not just companies, sports teams, you know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. really effective people that are goal-setters are, are basically doing the same thing too. And so to say, Hey, this is what effective organizations are doing. What about us? Can we do this and try to, you know, get some buy-in there, but then it ties into a a series of other things. You know, it can't just be left there. Hey, we had this one important great event where we set our purpose and everyone came together. It was collaborative people felt included. But it can't stop there, yeah, and no team would work that way. Yeah. Organization, and certainly no family. So another principle to kind of keep those that the, that purpose, and maybe if core values have been established, would be to have a, a daily huddle. And uh, this is again in organizations they do this. I mean, some of them literally do it daily, five days of the work week. Some have another kind of model of every other day or something. They could be in person. They could be via Zoom or FaceTime on a phone. But it's usually a ten to fifteen minute kind of gathering of the of the workforce. Maybe their manager and a few of the employees, whatever in company it's going to be in. And uh, in this huddle, you know, I don't want to prescribe a template, but some things that would be really effective to have in a huddle would be to kind of recount, hey, here is some effective things we did yesterday on the work site, and uh, today's. You know, keys to success will be you know these two or three things. And uh, if there's anything that we've been stuck on, any hurdles that we have today, any things that we're really struggling with, now's a good time to bring that up to the group so that we can collaborate as we go our separate ways and work on our projects to this end. It's a great time to, if you had like an agenda in the workforce, to have that purpose statement written on there, or to reemphasize some of the the core values of the workforce that you know, like that apply to that day's huddle and priorities. But you can see how this could a- apply in a family, you know, where a family met, whether it's morning or night or midday, whether they connect around a dinner table or the family room or even sending texts, but to have a regular check-in where positive things are communicated, where things that need to improve are communicated, where important events are talk- talked about or, or celebrated there where people know there's going to be a check-in, a huddle to kind of reinforce the purpose, the vision and values of the family and you know celebrate the wins that they've had. So that's a that's a practice that can can be done really easily without a whole lot of preparation or time, but just a regular reminder, hey, here's what we're doing. That helps individuals and organizations a lot to to get to their natural best.
1: When have you found just for your family personally is the best time for you to do your huddle?
2: Man, well, first thing is implied in your question is that I'm doing it so effectively and so regularly, right? And for all, <laughs> your, for all your guests to know, I mean, if if Jackie and I have something that's been successful that we've done, it's just been to, to be consistent in trying. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we uh, we do our best to to try them. I, I think we, we have at times we've done them in the morning, and that that catered really well until the latter part of. My older kids high school time, because then they started going to zero hours and stuff and just getting the kids up and having a huddle where in our case there was meditation or prayer and and scripture study that was included in that huddle. Now we kind of do it at dinner time is the time where and, and my wife to add part of our huddle, she got a list of questions and a little question box and she'll try to pull out a, just a kind of a get to know you type of question that we've added into our huddle that we do at the dinner table. I have a daughter that's in college. And so for part of our connection time, we send out, as, as, you know, it's probably only two or three times a week, but we try to include a, a spiritual kind of motivating collaborative. Hey, what do you guys think about this truth? And so even when she's off at college, she's seeing it and is part of it and can contribute to it as well. So in short, Melissa, we've we've just had reiteration over reiteration. Whereas in the organization business world, it would probably say, hey, have it at seven AM every day, be very consistent. I would encourage families likewise to be as consistent as possible. But there's probably more flexibility that's going to be required in a family scenario with the ages of kids and and just trying to to make it mm-hmm. happen for each family.
1: Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad that you that you emphasize that point that it's not it doesn't have to be perfection, that it's not like, oh, we missed a day, like ah, it's like, yeah, just, let's just try again tomorrow. And maybe you miss another day. And it's like, it's okay. Just like keep trying, you know, like you said, reiteration after reiteration. Totally. I think the the win is in the try.
2: A hundred percent. And then that's, again, that's something that we're in family life or social settings. People are so tough on themselves. Whereas in the business world, if they miss the huddle, no one's losing sleep about it. No one's thinking, well, my business is now going to tank. Or if they miss a the day at the gym, like the athlete shouldn't think, well, now, I'm, you know, I will never be successful again. It's just part of life. And we, we know in those other areas to get back at it. Sometimes clients I have, individuals, families, organizations, when they hear about these kind of strategies and they go, well, I know there's going to be some times where that's just not going to work. They then say something like, since I know I'm going to have to change it, why even have a structure to begin with? And and that's a real stumbling block sometimes for family. Oh, man, there's so much going on. I'm so busy. I know that that structure is going to have to change two or three times each week. Why even start? And and I think that's the answer. Because if you don't have a structure, it's not. It's probably not going to happen at all. And so, yeah, it may only mm-hmm. happen. You hoped it would happen five, six, maybe seven times a week. If you don't have a structure, it's probably not happening at all. So two or three is actually quite a bit of an increase to an overall objective that down the road that is adding a lot to your family over a year's worth of effort of maybe only getting two or three of those in a week or one or two in a week that's a lot better than zero a week and so having that target of hey we're going to try this and then a way to measure hey did we get to where we wanted that's now applying a physical fitness principle i can see where i'm at i can measure it i can see where we were strong where we were weak and I can make an adjustment. But if you don't have anything deliberately or intentionally established, it's really hard to make adjustments because you just don't know what to adjust.
1: So if someone... So right now, anyone listening, if you're like, maybe you don't have a daily huddle, you might assess like, okay, I'm not having a daily huddle. I could maybe start doing one one huddle a week. Is that the kind of yeah. application you would see here?
2: I I would absolutely say start and start small. And with, with, it's very simple. And like really the huddle should never be complicated. I, maybe, again, I mentioned three things to begin with something that's positive that you want to report from the previous day or celebrate one of the kids' successes. I did well at school an event, mom and dad did something good. Keys to success to that day. Hey, you know, you guys did a good job coming home, getting your homework done. Let's do that again. It'll help our evening. We got a lot of things going on. Let's make sure we get our chores done, whatever. And then to address anything, does anyone need any help? How can we support the family today? Is there anything that that you're stuck on yourself? You know, those three things would really, I mean, open up some communication that may not be going elsewhere. You know, especially on that last one, Melissa, I, I, that one's really near to dear. Is there anyone stuck on something? Like too often we're, we're only asking, like our teenagers are only asking their 15-year-old friends, hey, I missed you so much. How are you doing? Can I support you? Those are really great questions. Awesome that our teenagers are asking their other 15-year-old friends that. But if they could also learn to ask Mm -hmm. their siblings those questions, or if mom or dad were asking each other those questions, like, hey, what what are you doing today? How can I support you in in your effort today? That little part of the huddle just communicates a lot of empathy and like, I'm here for you that is often missing Mm -hmm. in families that is maybe it's implied. We hope that they know that we're there for them. But that little daily reminder, hey, if anyone's got anything, we want to be the first line of defense and support for you to be able to get past that, man, that can really, that can change your family, you know, it really help that culture.
1: Yeah. That's beautiful. Okay. I know, I know you have more, more things. I feel like <laughs> I'm like spending too long with you on, on one thing, but it, yeah. it, I love what you're saying.
2: Well, I know we're both, I mean, both of our families have really tried to tried keyword there to, to do the best we can with these kind of things and sharing them. I think they resonate with most people, you know, and just moving forward too. I, I love how you already brought it up. Like, this is not either of us touting like how successful our family's been. I mean, the for we function on a high level of dysfunctionality. Okay. And we're just trying. (laughs) And I know recently on your guys's podcast, you mentioned that coming back from the islands here to Arizona, there was some of that dysfunction that happens. And like, I, these aren't again, any kind of cure all, but they are things that will help strengthen and uh, you know, to go along with the other two, you know, having a purpose, having a huddle, I think helping family members set goals can really then help them individually. And when you have that huddle and you're saying, how can we support you? If they have goals and objectives that they're individually working on, then they can have some very much actionable, reportable things like, oh man, this is my goal I'm working on and, and I'm struggling. And that just might make it a more reportable, literal thing that you could help them with their personal goals. And so, like in my book, I created my own goal setting system that I had found not only helped me but there were there were some gaps in some of the common systems people use and uh you know i if anyone wanted to dm me, I'll just send you the list or you don't have to buy the book but i, I base it off of more fit it's an acronym kind of like if people done smart goals it, there's an acronym for mm-hmm. each letter of smart goals and and more fit as well. I won't go through all of them here but one of, the, one of the letters, and there are t- a couple of them that I'd like to share that I think that people people often struggle with, and then it, it causes them not to set goals at all, is learning to be very flexible with your goals. And that doesn't mean watering them down, but that's the F part of, of uh, more fit goals, is the uh, being flexible. Meaning that sometimes we start off on the initial goal setting period of like, here's where I want to go. And then life changes, you know, like you got sick, you got injured. There was other people that you realized were actually your goal was dependent too much upon another person's actions. And so now we have this stage where we've set a goal that we really want. We've already kind of hurdled that idea. Is it something I want to do? And I, am I, am I, is it, is it my goal? Not just my parents or a church leader or someone, but we've set that, but now we've realized that something has to change. Too often people just disregard the goal altogether and stop working on it because, oh man. Mm-hmm. Whereas you've really just got very valuable information. You've you've done a study, you've done research, and now you've learned I need to tweak that a little bit. It's not failing at all. It's now I've now I've got the information I need to really go forward better. In my book, I, I write about a lady that I think really encaptures th- this idea, Diana Nyad, she's a swimmer. And she did this amazing over 100-mile swim from Cuba to Florida. And it took her five attempts to do it, like just incredible. And she had to swim through like jellyfish, and she didn't go in a cage, so there was potentially sharks that could have got her. And on all the other attempts, she was totally physically prepared and mentally very tough, but the conditions just weren't right and either she got dehydrated or too many jellyfish stings and so her body was reacting and she couldn't breathe cuz her lungs were so swollen from the, the reaction and and so she she had to i guess some people would say she failed in those attempts but for her it wasn't mm-hmm. that she just learned hey i got more information on what i need to do to succeed and eventually she did and she was you know she started at 28 i think she was in her 60s when she finally completed the swim and uh, it's Wow! Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible that she did it, and and that's the same way we should help with our children with with your goals. When you fail, it's just giving you valuable information of what you need to do su- su- to succeed. So be flexible on what's happening as you're striving to get to where you want to go.
1: Yeah, that's that's important. It's a it's a good lesson even for me. I, I can see my as I look back on my life, see myself doing that thing like. It's like an all or nothing mentality around goals like, well, I didn't, I didn't achieve it, but having the patience and the wisdom to be like, no, let's be flexible here. And the failure, a failure is okay. It's just like an ingredient to work with for the next, for the next attempt. I think that's
2: super important. Again, in the physical world, we look at it so different, much differently. Like how many reps can you do of this exercise? Well, I can do nine. Well, how do you know you can do nine? Because I failed on the 10th great you know and we kind of have mm-hmm. like whereas you know how'd you do on the test well i got an 87 percent. it's like that's pretty awesome you got an 87 percent. now you know what you need to study for the next time because you know 87 percent of the stuff that was on that test but we just like oh man i needed that you you did great you got great information now and take it and move forward with it so you can do better the next time beautiful i love it all right i okay, know well,
1: well the one one thing that really loved hearing you speak about was your family, you call it your family conference, which is, it's your family, the Fregrell family vacation every year, but you have a really cool spin on it. I'd love you to share more about that.
2: Yes. And this is taking something that people are already probably doing and just tweaking it a little bit to help it tie into a very intentional and strategic family plan. And so we, uh, a bunch of years ago, Jackie and I decided to have family conferences. We were both involved in planning conferences for our congregation, for youth to go to, and we had food laid out and meetings and planning and getting all kinds of collaborative ideas, and, and uh, whew, then we come home, man, that was really great. And then we'd go on a trip and do none of that. You know, there wouldn't be a t-shirt, there wouldn't mm-hmm. be a hat, there wouldn't be a theme, there wouldn't, we wouldn't invite our kids <laughs> to share anything at all. And again, that thought of, hey, if it's a true principle, it should apply in a wide variety of circumstances. And so we just said, we, we're we already going on this trip. We're going to do this little thing. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It could just be a day trip. It could be a week-long trip, whatever your your family may be already doing. And I guess I would say, Melissa, if families aren't having trips, I would say, Try to figure out a way to work that into the budget to have some sort of family getaway. But on that, we would then say, "Hey, with our purpose to stick together, what could be this year's theme?" And so, like our most recent one, we went to Sedona, Arizona, and our theme was to uh, to do hard things. And one of the hard things we felt like we needed to work on as a family, like my wife and I, as the executive committee, kind of got together and said, "Hey, we need to work on the hard thing of saying I'm sorry." and learning to say it.
0: Mm.
2: Like had, most people don't ever learn have a training lesson on saying that, but we respect it. Hey, learn to say you're sorry, mean it, and and how to give a heartfelt apology. So we'd studied Brene Brown and, and some of the guests she'd had on her show that had talked about it. And then we gave some of that research to our children and, uh, and said, hey, while we're up in Sedona, we're going to do hard things, scary things. Like we're going to go on... Uh, a, a high ropes course and we're going to go on a a jeep tour on this like really tough terrain and and we're going to do some of these fun activities that we would have normally done on a vacation anyway but we're going to tie it into this this theme our family purpose to stick together to do hard things. And so throughout the days like in the morning we'd have our huddle before we went on one of these activities and one of my kids would present something about forgiveness or saying i'm sorry and what it looks like, what it sounds like. And there'd be videos and they they were so good. We just kind of gave them a theme and some thoughts. And I, you know, my, my children were all young, you know, some teenagers, some below teens and, and they all did a great job. And obviously my wife and I stepped into and and shared some things, but I don't think any of ours were any better than the, you know, 10 year olds presentation. It was just toward a purpose. And then we'd get done with the activity and kind of have a little bit of a reflection, you know, like, here's what we just did and accomplished. And, it was, it was awesome. It made, it made what we were already going to do, not just fun, but intentionally and strategically designed to help our family stick together and to, to focus on something that we all needed as parents and children to learn better, to say, I'm sorry, and how to do it in a heartfelt way. And then, so we, we kind of built on that the next six months in our, in our family huddles, we remind each other of it. We printed out a laminated thing and kind of kept it and the focus so that it wasn't just a one and done. But that was how we did it. And again, it's something that has over the years become part of our family culture is that we do family conferences, just like organizations have a year, you know, often a year long or a year end kind of a, we're all going to get together and have good food and good fun, but hopefully it's purpose driven to that organization and, you know, embracing their values and teaching them to the employees.
1: That sounds so fun. Like I really this year, I'm like, Ooh, I, I want to do that. Like you said, we're most, many families are already doing like these good things. So it's just adding a little more focus or, or intentionality to it. I would really love, I'm like, now I'm going to get my kids shirts. We're going to have matching shirts, do the whole with the theme on the front. Right. Have you, you guys go. done that before?
2: We have, you know, <laughs> and so as the older my kids have gotten, the less cheesy those have been, you know, they have to be very specifically designed to uh, yes. to be something that they'd wear or, or never. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I don't just want to throw money at it. But yeah, and dad's ideas, you know, I'm not, it's not in a committee of one. So like, I'm always like, Hey, let's do this. And let's have and like, Nope, that's not the voice of the team there on that. So yeah, but sometimes it's a hat or t-shirt, maybe it's a wristband or something, but I think having some kind of a memorable takeaway from the event is important. And like, again, you can work this kind of stuff into a budget. You really, you really can It can just be as simple as, you know, we're going to, you know, print out a piece of paper that has our family picture on it and, you know, a message and that's in the kids' rooms, you know? So I don't want anyone to ever feel like, well, I can't do this stuff because of a budget. Like it doesn't have to break the budget at all. Just be intentional and, Mm -hmm get everybody involved and it'll be a great event, a much, a much better event, I think, than it would otherwise.
1: Yeah, I think some of my kids, we actually did pull our kids not that long ago. Okay, like, hey, what, are, what are some of your favorite trips or vacations we've done? And almost without fail, every single one was like when we went camping and we just camp in tents. It's just those, sometimes those simple, simple right. family activities are the ones that are actually the most, the most meaningful. So yeah, I love that you said that, you know, this is achievable, achievable for for any family, no matter, you know, it might look different for every family, but it can still be And including them in there,
2: I I think I heard you on a recent show talking about, I think it was your daughter who wanted to go on a paddleboard trip with you. And uh, Mm -hmm. it was rough riding at first and she wanted to turn around, but uh, you helped coach her through and remind her, Hey, this is an event that you planned and that you can do. And I don't, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seemed like it seemed like you did some great, wow. yeah, uh, it's great, great coaching to help her on an event. Now, had you planned that event? I don't know if that goes as well, you know, cause you, she didn't want to be there, you know, like she didn't have buy-in. And totally. so on our trips where we've done like hard things and when the kids have been the ones that have planned the activities, like we're all, you know, mom and dad are going to have a good attitude. That's usually not the problem. So like, Hey, this is something mm-hmm. you can plan. Let's, let's go get into it. And, uh, and then it's nice afterward to be like hey what a great event that you helped plan for our family and helped lead and teach on and they have a real sense of of leadership and uh, that becomes that's 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 huge to give one of your children that opportunity at a young age to help plan and carry out a family event
1: yeah so it sounds to me like you and your wife kind of decide like okay this is what our family could use as a as a focus now and then as far as like the supplemental activities and maybe even the destination that that's where you're bringing everyone together and working out the finer details in that way.
2: Yeah. And, and I would say the younger they were, the more executive planning we've had, the older they've gotten, the mm-hmm. more we've tried to include them, even in the, like, what does our family need part. So mm. again, and like, I'm not trying to gloss this thing over, like we've done it great. And I mean, we haven't, we've, we've done it consistently. That's what we've done. And they've been, our kids like them. You know, I recently, my daughter, called home from college i'm doing this paper the assignment was like a family culture paper and she's like we have to share something that we've done that's a memorable cultural event i'm like well what do you think that is and she's like i don't know like family conferences and she's like oh yeah that works perfectly you know and and then so she was able to to go down and like like yeah that's what a cultural event is is a family conference so like you could talk about that in your paper and uh she was and it was it was cool to hear what what she remembered and how she described it.
1: Mm -hmm. Very cool. Okay. If you could leave, leave our listeners with, with any message or any idea, what would you, what would you leave us with?
2: I would say time is the ally of consistency. And what I mean by that is that there's a tendency of hearing a podcast like this and being like, Oh my gosh, there's so much to do. Why didn't we start this a long time ago or whatever? And like, okay, join the club on that. But just, start mm-hmm. start small and start intentionally and invite whatever your executive team looks like if it's you're a single parent that's a that's a fully functioning executive team if you have a family of 10 that's a fully functioning mm-hmm. executive team but whatever that team looks like take some time and think hey what what do we want to do as a purpose what's our what are the things we value how can i incorporate a huddle or a family conference and then consistently try to do it and that what we consistently do over time becomes, it, it makes more dividends than people give credit for. In the weight room, you need to put on a little bit of weight on the bar and you start pushing that up and down more than you did the week before. Over a course of a year, that makes a huge difference in someone's strength. Same thing with a runner, just going a little bit further, a little bit faster. It's not a whole lot faster, just a little bit over a, a time of a, a year. That makes a huge difference in their speed and endurance. And so it does in families. So time is is always the ally of consistency, and there's not going to be any replacement. There's there's for sacrifice and discipline. Like there, those are things that are going to be part of the processes as well. Like there are these times you have to sacrifice maybe a personal time to like get your family together, and then just be disciplined and in doing those things, it's not. I, I guess we all are familiar with like a water bottle and like a little drink mix that we pour in. Okay. I, I use those daily in my mm-hmm. life, Melissa. And, and I pour vitamin C into mine. Um, some people also call the vitamin C that I'm talking about caffeine, but I just like to call it vitamin C. And I pour that into, <laughs> my, into my little water bottle. The little packet is super small. Like your guests can, can visualize it super small and the water bottle is big but I pour that that vitamin C in there and it colors the entire water bottle. It flavors the entire water bottle. It adds uh, energy to the entire water bottle. And that's the kind of effort that in our lives, these little things do. They add flavor, they add color, they add energy to our families. It's not necessarily a huge amount. The volumes are totally different there. That little pack is so small, but it can make a huge impact over time on that family. So just be consistent with those things that you feel would really help your family. That would be my final message, I suppose.
1: I love it. Thank you. And just to reiterate your, reiterate what, what you're saying. Yeah. After, after hearing so many like cool ideas that you implement, um, if you're listening today, maybe just choose, choose one. And right. say like, I'm going to do, I'm going to implement this, this one today um, or this week or this year, or whatever, just start, start there with, with one. One little tweak. It's
2: great. That's a, that's a great application. Just start where you're at. Choose the one that resonated with you and go from there.
1: Awesome. Okay, I'm going to link your book, um, another podcast I've heard you on. And then how else could people reach out to you if they're wanting to connect more with you?
2: Oh, that'd be awesome. You know, I try to put content out on Instagram two to four times a week and um, you could DM me there. My The page that I... I post on most, I have two, I have more fit for the kingdom, but I rarely, if ever post there anymore, I I post mostly on more fit for life. And that's the number four, more fit for life on Instagram and also on LinkedIn, sky for on LinkedIn. I post maybe just expanded text or uh, information there on the same things I'm posting on at more fit for life. But um, I would love for you to follow me there. Um, I'm really committed to only giving out content that I personally believe in and that I've seen work effectively. I'm not, uh, the world's best Instagrammer. So spell check me. Um, I, there's that I'm, I'm not a big uh, reels guy or anything, but, uh, I, I just try to put out content that I think would help people. And, um, I'd love for you to follow. If you have any questions about anything today, the, the a goal setting list or something like I would happily send one over to you for free or not looking to drum up business like that. But if if you would like me to come and talk to your company, that would be a great way to contact me as well. Through one of those channels, LinkedIn or at more fit for life.
1: Okay. Yeah. Connect, connect with, with Sky there. He's awesome. Thank you so much for your time today and your, your brilliance.
2: Brilliance. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You're welcome for that. For sure.
1: (laughs) Okay. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Family Brand Podcast. To say thank you, we have something really awesome we'd love to share with you.
0: You know, we often hear from families who will tell us that they just feel so overwhelmed because of the demands that are placed on them. They feel like they're constantly being pulled in so many different directions and spread thin. And they're spending time as a family, but they don't feel like it's quality time. They're not really connected and they want to be more intentional. And we can certainly relate because we felt like that at one point in, in our family. And so we created a guide that allowed us to really be more confident around how we spend time as a family and what we say yes to and what we say no to. And it's just brought so much more peace into our home. It's made our lives so much more simple and we wanna share it with you. So if you go to familybrand.com forward slash free, you can download the how to take back your family's time guide, and I can promise you it'll give you more confidence and more peace in your life and your family.
1: One last thing, we feel so inspired when we hear from families that we are making a difference for them. We would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and a review on the podcast so we can reach even more amazing families. We truly believe that the way we change the world is one family at a time.